to Inner Bloom, a podcast about how to live a happier, healthier, more harmonious life as you learn how to work with the universe, reconnect with your intuition, and bloom from within. I'm Alexa, a writer, producer, and EFT practitioner with a passion for all things metaphysical. And with me is my friend and co-host, Ambie. I'm Ambie, a physical therapy assistant, mom of three, an intuitive medium who has been communicating with the spirit world since the age of five. Some might call it woo-woo, but from our perspective, anything is possible, and we intend to normalize the abnormal by sharing our own life experiences as well as intuitive insights, channeled material, wisdom from special guests, and any other resources we believe will help our souls expand and thrive. Hello, all you bloomers. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Alexa, your host, and with me is Ambrosia. Hello, everybody. The great. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, I knew it. Okay. Introduce yourself that way now. Yeah, Ambrosia the Great. I am Ambrosia the Great. (laughs) No big deal. NBD. Um, How are you doing? I'm doing super duper. Cool. How are you? Are you having a good day? Me too. Yeah. Just started our 10-day cleanse, day one of the 10-day cleanse, and I'm really pumped about it. I'm really pumped to get cleansed. Um, but, <laughs> but even more pumped because we have a guest with us today. Yay! <laughs> Ross Cessna or Sauce Cessna as I almost called him. <laughs> Ross Cessna. Um, yeah, so Ross is – Here's a little bit about Ross. Severe mental illness and substance abuse led Ross to the brink of destruction. However, our darkest hour has the potential to be our greatest gift. This spiritual emergency led Ross on a path that would cause him to rise from the ashes. Now he is the host of the Spiritual Phoenix podcast, author of Vagrant Verses, a tarot card reader, a Reiki practitioner, a coach, public speaker, and so much more. His message is to find the gift in your suffering and never lose hope in reigniting your passion. Hi, Ross. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, ladies? How are y'all doing? What's What's up? up? What's up? What's What's up? up? Not much. Drinking tea and, and some water and sweating in my overly hot room right now. That's exciting. But at least you Just have like a, good... a sweat lodge. <laughs> at least you have a good background, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> Both verbal and, and uh, behind me. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Ross, thanks for coming on because you had us on our, on your show. Uh, I don't know how long. A couple months ago, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say it's an honor to be on, and uh, also I apologize because I butchered the episode where you guys were on there, like in editing. I'm so ashamed of it. Oh no! Oh, goodness, <laughs> we're just going to have to redo it. I, yeah, I guess I'm, we'll have to come back on. I'm definitely down for that. <laughs> well, like how I just invited myself onto your show. No big deal. That's how it happens. That's how you get things done. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, I mean, Ross, so awesome to have you here and would love, you know, you you definitely have a story and a journey and would love to hear about it. Would love for you to tell the listeners about, you know, what your path has been like up until this point. Hmm. All right. I will try to give you the abbreviated version of it because um, it's a very long story. But uh, the general concept of it is I always grew up feeling different, ostracized, not fitting in. Um, 
difficult circumstances in my life, such as the suicide of my aunt, my parents' divorce, all of this stuff um, led me down uh, a darker road than most people. There was already issues prior to that. Um, and effectively, I turned to substances at a very early age, had a lot of trouble very early on, uh, started running from life, from opportunities, from myself, from like my greatest potential. And uh, really kind of self-destructed, but this self-destructive process took me on kind of a 10-year vision quest where I was like traveling around the United States. Um, I got a culinary degree, so I was able to move all over the place. And throughout all of this, um, various substances and opportunities opened me up to different forms of thinking. Eventually, life kind of came crashing down around me when I lost complete touch with reality. Uh, and then I sorted through that whole experience and the turning point of my life really came almost three years ago now. Um, when I recognized that I was like 32 years old and I I was acting like a 12 year old kid, I didn't want to behave like I was behaving anymore. And I made a commitment to completely change my life and, uh, utilize my experience to help other people. Wow. Awesome. And so what has the, I'm curious, what is the, how how has your world changed since then? Like how has the world around you changed? Because it seems like just three years ago you were in a completely different space. So what, what has been transformed, you know, inside of you, but also around you? Um, that's a really good question, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of reflection. Um, so I have over two and a half years uh, substance-free now, so that's one of the like the big things that's changed, no longer chemically dependent on anything. Um, yeah. I think I think two years off mental health medication now as well, and this the condition that I suffered from was something that people are on medication for for the rest of their lives, typically, because they don't make the physical life changes. Um, or the perceptional shifts necessary. A year off of cigarettes, um, I actually have purpose. I've written a book, recorded over 200 some podcast episodes, like have spoken spoken publicly. That was the interest. Spoken is what I said. Um, <laughs> I have spoken publicly to crisis intervention trainings um, for people with mental illness and addiction, or to police officers interacting with people with mental illness and substance abuse issues. Like, and when I started this whole process, I wasn't even comfortable in my own skin. And now I'm getting comfortable talking to police officers, to anybody about these experiences. Um, Most of the changes that I've encountered have been internally, because for me, if I began to build a lot of external changes outside of things without a solid foundation, there wouldn't be any stability to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. It's awesome to see people's like complete 180 into like just what you're talking about with the police officers, like being so uncomfortable and now being that's like what you're doing. That's like the area that you're going into. That's awesome. And thank you. Yeah. And so in terms of, you know, um, in terms of that struggle that you had in terms of like that challenge and that part of your journey with substances and with recovery, do you perceive, because I know that, you know, 
there's probably a lot of people listening to this that have engaged with substance, different substances or different uh, chemical dependencies or, you know, thing addictions, right? Addictions, however you want to look at that. Um, and so is that something that you feel like was an important part of your path? Like, do you feel like that without that, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now? Or how do you look at that part of your life now? Is it the same or is it, do you see it in a new light? Um, it's kind of a, a two-sided question. So in one aspect, I don't feel that I could be doing um, what I'm doing had I not had those direct experiences. And I, even that has two reasons behind it. For one, like I needed to go through the difficulty of those experiences to really cultivate the perspective necessary to form a lot of my worldview now. But the second aspect of it is I feel that at the time, those substances uh, really kind of helped me get a different view and allowed me to escape some of the uh, trauma and the uh, stuff that I was going through early on. Like, I have a very interesting view of substances in general. Um, I think they're beneficial to a point, but they can also become incredibly detrimental. And I don't think that enough people have that conversation about it. It's too polarized one way or the other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We were just talking about – I was just talking about this about uh, like marijuana even. I mean like for me, it's been at a certain point in my life, I, I think it was super helpful. Like John, the guy that Ambi Channels was actually helping me clarify this. Like it was so super helpful for me because it was really like opening my mind to things. It was allowing me to relax, have more fun, um, be more creative in certain ways. And then it got to a point where – the help stopped. Like it got me to a point and then it, I wasn't growing anymore from it. And so now it's been this journey of going away from that just as much as like just so that I can get into a different mode, you know, because it's just not like mm -hmm. it wasn't serving me in the same way anymore. So I totally, I totally see that. And I do think you're right. Like the conversation needs to be had instead of just this like black and white because I think right. that black and whiteness is what creates rebellion and like it creates like more of like a dangerous interaction right yeah 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 i definitely agree with that and i think that a lot of people say that moderation is key and for me i think that the real conversation just from my own perspective and maybe other people will resonate with this is it's useful to a point and at a certain point you graduate beyond the need for it and it can help you cultivate some perspective but eventually you need to set it down or really change your relationship with it because it'll keep you stuck and kind of like you ha had uh, mentioned. And for me, like I learned a lot of the lessons that I learned now through a lot of substances, but the understanding of the how and the why and like the deeper aspect of that kind of stuff has shifted completely. Um, now that I've been clean and like really doing a lot of the work, I guess. Mm, and I, I agree with that. And I think it's all also individualized for each person. Um, and their viewpoint on substances depends upon, in my opinion, depends upon the experience that you're going to have. Um, for me, I've never engaged in like LSD or anything like that because at my background, I have such a strong viewpoint on, I come from a background of a lot of addicts. Um, so I have a lot of fear around it of me becoming an addict. Right. So mm -hmm. I know for me that my experience with that is, well, I don't know for, ex for sure, but I assume that my experience with that is going to be, um, not very positive because of the fear that I have with it. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel like if, if someone like myself wanted to engage in something like that, you need to work on your perception of that um, substance or of that medicine, plant, whatever you want to take, you need to work on your relationship with that, the triggers that you have with it. Mm. I definitely agree with all of that. Um, and I think that a lot of that stuff needs to be approached with respect and that many of the things like it's a shortcut to some lessons, but again, you don't have the foundational tools. And the other aspect of it for me personally is like, there's benefit to be had, but there's also great risk. And then there becomes this whole issue of cutting yourself off from the fact that all those things are intrinsically in your soul already. And you already have direct access to that kind of stuff. It's yeah. just a matter of um, stepping into it for me. I mean, that being said too, this is the last thing that I'll say on it. Then I'll shut up for a second. Um, no, <laughs> that's why you're, you're here. our guest to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel that the experiences that I had were very, very important. But I think that overvaluing them is just as as dangerous as undervaluing them. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the, the gist of it for me. And now they just no longer serve me. And for me, it's like a big high to. Um, push the limits of my potential and to really tap into this in like a raw way and uh, kind of raw dogging reality is one of the most <laughs> hardcore substances I've ever experienced. Cause like life is pretty intense when you're not subduing it with anything or trying to enhance it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's just a powerful statement. <laughs> it <laughs> is it's true. Yeah. You know, it takes me back to one of the other things that you said before we were talking about substances was the experiences, and I feel like it's kind of like a duh, but a lot of people don't actually feel into this. The experiences that you've had, were they unpleasant? Yes, but did they shape the way that you are currently in this reality? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I feel like a lot of people try to avoid, especially when I give someone a reading and I say, hey, you're going to go into this relationship and it's not going to work out, but it's crucial that you go into this relationship because it actually changes the next relationship you have without this current situation. The next situation won't line up the way it's supposed to. And people are like, well, I don't want to go into it if it doesn't work out. And I say, no, because it, it, not everything is supposed to work out. Not everything is supposed to be pleasant. That's what's changing who you are as an individual. And if you only go through the pleasant experiences, you're actually changing who you are and you're not dealing with your shit. You're avoiding it. That, I feel like with though with like relationships in that example, it's so difficult for humans to like conceive of that. You're like, you're yeah. telling me I have to get into a relationship. I have to open my heart to someone. I have to yeah. go. You're telling me it's not going to work out, but I have to go into it as if it's going to work out, knowing yeah. it is not going to work out yeah. and open my heart, knowing that something's going to hurt it. And it's going to hurt, yeah. That is like yeah. the scariest th – like I'm just imagining that and I'm like, that is the scariest thing I could ever imagine hearing. Yeah. Not saying – like I understand what you're saying and the reason that you're you're saying this and I know the situations you're talking about. But I'm just like – it's hitting me right now. I'm like, God, that's the scariest thing imaginable to a <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know – and but everybody wants to know, I feel like everybody wants cheat codes to the end, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody wants yes. to know, how do I, 
how do I get the perfect mate? How do I get the perfect job? How do I get the perfect life? Right. And it's, it's the shit that you go through that creates that perfect life. It's not, not experiencing anything that doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Yeah. All your failures are what give you the lessons. There's a great, uh, saying that if you want to increase your success rate, double your rate of failure. And the more you open Mm. yourself up to experiences and kind of bump your head and scrape your knees and like fall and pick yourself back up, the more experiences you have. And that's one of the things that like is incredibly important in relationships is having a lot of failed relationships, maintaining vulnerability, because then you can begin to experience what really works for you, what really doesn't. And you can understand who you are on a deeper level because we see the people that we're in a relationship or we see ourselves better through a reflection of who we're in relationship with. And you can learn about yourself more and then you can learn to become the perfect mate. Um, One of the guys who's a mentor for me, he really talked about making sure that I embody all the characteristics that I would want in a potential partner. Like don't ask for it if I can't live up to it. And that's like a really heavy concept. And I don't think that most people um, are honest with themselves about that. Like, I don't think most people have uh, like a high level of personal accountability, radical responsibility and self-honesty. A lot of, a lot of us want to bullshit ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's powerful. Like, I think I've heard that before, but for some reason, the way you just said it made me hit me really hard. Like, oh yeah. Like it, Mm-hmm. How can we ask for something in someone else that we're not willing to be or become? And it comes from this place of like, um, I think it comes from this old this old paradigm that's falling away right now. The paradigm of like, I need this from you. Like, give me this. You know, mm-hmm. like, give me, give me, or let me get. Like, how can I get? How can I take? Um, and now we're moving into this new paradigm of like, well, we are all one. So there is no, t- like, if you're taking, you're not get, you're not pulling anyone over on anyone. Like we're all, what yeah. happens to one happens to each. So like, if you, you know, we're realizing that we're mirrors, like we're realizing that we're all connected. So it is like a really powerful thing to think about that. Like I'm thinking about that in relation to my partnership right now. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, like the things that like if I think if I complain about something or I think that something's missing, it's like, well, why can't I step up and be that? Like, why can't I embody that? Yeah. Yeah. My husband calls me out all the time on that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) He's uh, well, like I we've been together nine years at this point. So the people that we started out as are not the same people that we are currently. You know, and I think that's the other thing that you're growing with this individual or people. Right. And so the things that I expected from the relationship in the beginning are not the same things and vice versa. So I feel like it's nice to have that individual that can keep you like honest and say, hey, you know, you expect me to do X, Y and Z, but you're not holding up your end of the bargain either. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It's nice that you have that level of honesty, though, where you guys can have those conversations. Um, I think that that's super, super important because, again, it goes down to like the honesty that you have with each other is kind of relative to the honesty that you have with yourself. And a lot of people, they want to tiptoe around stuff and play the quote unquote nice guy or nice girl and not say anything about what's really upsetting them or they don't do it in a loving way. Um, So being able to present that information and, and with compassion and empathy Um, but also have like that boundary and say, this isn't, 
<laughs> what I'm going to like settle for. And I think that that's something that's super important for people too, is like understanding that any of their unhappiness in their relationship is a direct result of them. And it's not a matter of the people that they're with because they can find all these different people and it will never fill that hole because the hole is within them. And, um, mm. The wedding ring, it used to symbolize two whole individuals coming together, not like I have possession of you or anything like that, but like I am a whole individual. I am this solid gold circle. I am completed on my own. And when people step into relationships like that, it's not a matter of what am I getting from you? It's a matter of how can we form like Voltron and become like this this <laughs> power force? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Like how can we team up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How can we create more? Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, so Ross, you know, in your intro, you're talking about, um, you know, finding the gift in your suffering. And I'm just curious, you know, what would you say to someone who is listening, who is suffering right now with something? How can they like turn that around and find the gift? Um, first off, the first thing they have to start with is find a why they want to turn it around. If you don't have a why, you're not going to be able to do it, in my opinion. Because if you don't have a reason, what's the point? Um, mm. The second thing is, once you have a why, you put your focus on that. Like, become hyper vigilant about that. For me, I wanted to be able to help people at one point, and I also wanted to stop acting like a young little kid at 32. I wanted to act like a, a man. Um, so my why was to grow up so I could kind of be a uh, a support for other people. So when people find the why then they can begin to focus on the how they go about that. And then as far as like the next step in how, um, this is something that was really, really, uh, it's it's proliferal, pro I can't even say that word. It's kind of just dispersed itself in every area of my life now. But this concept of taking small steps towards big goals, and it's about doing one thing differently and then consistently adding more and more stuff to it and getting consistent with growth rather than kind of stagnancy. And like for me, the, the first thing that I did to begin to change was once I hit that point, like that rock bottom point of I can't stay like this anymore, I have to change, I went to a meeting the next day. First thing I said was, universe, please help me. I don't think I'm going to come back from this if I go any further. But like then I was like I took action and I went to a meeting. And then from there, my whole life changed like in the sense that all these small little actions add up over time and don't view any action that you take or don't take as insignificant because they are, but like, don't stress yourself out over it. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I, I think it really does. And uh, like a couple of things were popping up for me when you were talking about that one was what you were just talking about, kind of like surprise your doubts with action, like take like, you can drown yourself in these thoughts of of suffering, right? But when you actually like can follow whatever inspiration is there to just take an action in the step of the right direction, even if it's so tiny, that gives you relief because you feel the action, you feel moving towards your desire as opposed to away from it, which is kind of what happens when you're in this loop of negative thoughts or downward spiral type of thing. But uh, also when you, the first thing you were talking about, find your why. So I am 
a screenwriter on the side. It's like something I used to do when I was little and I, now I'm just developing it again. And I, I just started taking my first like adult writing class, screenwriting class. And um, yesterday they were talking about, you know, character development and like story development. And it's like one of the things that I've just like, I've needed, this is why I've needed to go to this class is because when I've been writing, it's like I haven't had these pieces of like the characters, like what is their why? Like why are they doing this? Like if you don't have mm-hmm. that, there's no story. There's nothing. They have to have some sort of flaw and some sort of motivation for like why they're doing what they're doing. Otherwise, the story is just completely flat and, and it doesn't make any sense and there's no emotion or heart into it. So it it's a direct parallel to – our lives. Like if you don't have a why, you're just going to be like flailing around, lost, kind of just like aimlessly doing things that don't really matter to you. And then you're going to feel like unmotivated and sad and disconnected and all that. And so the why is like super, super important. Absolutely. And it, it really goes to like, so you have the thought of the why, then you take the action because thought actually follows action. We like to think that uh, action follows thought, but it really is the more that you take action, the more you're going to kind of, um, crystallize those thoughts. And it's also important to write that shit down. Mm-hmm. There's that whole saying that, write that, that like shit down. I like that <laughs> a goal, a goal that is, you should make t-shirts. Wish. I yeah. actually have, this is actually a t-shirt I made. Whoa, I that's so cool. Oh, I love that. I love that too. That's an awesome t-shirt. That is Do you sell cool. them? Uh, I don't have it up. It's one of the things that I had up when I first started everything, and then I've kind of refocused my priorities. I can I can easily put it back up though. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. Just saying. Yeah, what it says on it is "Let's explore space, both inner and outer, together." Say, uh, yeah. Bill Hicks quote. I, I like that. that. Love that. But what were you saying? I interrupted you. Sorry. Go ahead. Um. Oh, yeah. Pretty much if you have a goal and you don't write it down, it's really just a wish or it's really empty. It's kind of those like bar talks that you have with your friends at like two in the morning where you're like, yeah, tomorrow, man, let's do all this (laughs) stuff. But then nobody takes any action to it. And that's the other thing. It goes back to a thought without action is nothing. So even if the first action you take is writing it down, you've already took an an action. You already took an an action step. Mm. Totally. And the action is like you're bringing that thought into – like you're talking about crystallizing it. You're literally making the intangible, like the non-physical, physical physical by writing it down. You're like downloading it into this reality. And totally. I I love how you said like the bar talk, just like, oh, yeah, man, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. And no one one wakes up the next morning. No one does it. And it's just – and that's so true. And I think – you know, act, a lot of us, I feel like, are really afraid to set goals too, you know, and that's why I feel like a lot of us don't write it down. Even though we want to do something, we're like, well, if I ri- even just writing it down, it's like if I write it down and then I don't do it. But it's like – but that's why we don't do it. I mean, that's like been a hard lesson that I, like, I've had to learn over the past few months about like really realizing like why aren't my goals coming – why aren't I moving towards my goals? Well, because you're literally not serious about them. Like you, if you're mm-hmm. serious about them, yeah. you would write it down. You would get organized and there's a part of you that is afraid to set a goal because you're afraid that you're not going to come through on it or, or you're going to be disappointed. But it's like – 
I personally had to come to the realization that like it's so much better to try and fail. It's so much better. Like that's what life is about, trying and failing over and over again until you, you know, learn enough to complete that lesson or get to the next step. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, I definitely think that um, having goals and writing them down is important. And that's one of the things that like I've done this past month because I would write stuff down. But I took a advice from somebody else once I heard that less than 3% of the adult population in the United States writes down their goals. And the top 3% of wealthy people in the United States writes down their goals. So I was like, so if I really want to shift where I'm at, I got to write down my goals. And every day in April, every day in April, I woke, I woke up and I wrote down like these five big goals that I have that I want to achieve. And then like, I wrote down the most important things that I had to do in my day in that particular day. So I had long-term and short-term goals and I wrote them down and I'll be damned if first off, I didn't feel better because I was building up momentum and building up evidence of my uh, ability to achieve goals. And then secondly, there's literally magic in writing stuff down. It's intrinsic in the the language of how we even uh, approach words in the sense that spelling has spell directly in it. Grammar has uh, the root word for grammar is grimoire, which is a book of spells. So we are literally like hacking reality when we do it. And the more that you look at that stuff, like I'll write the goals in the morning, I'll read it again at night. And now I'm even in the habit of writing them at night, writing them exact same goals again for the day in the morning. And like every 12 hours looking at my goals, shit is shifting in my life. Mm, I love Gonna that. do that this month for sure. Yep. Gonna start it'll, today it'll, with that. It'll change your life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel like each month it's just getting, it's taking, it's like you're saying, it's like taking that one next step to like take it to the next level. And I definitely feel like writing every day and getting clear on this would be super helpful, in making stuff happen. So that's awesome. Thank you, Ross. Do you want to, um, you know, you're also an author and a poet, and would love it mm. if you could share some poetry with us from your your book. Yeah, I definitely will. I'm gonna hold up the cover for anybody who's watching it's the so video. Cool. Whoa. Did I you love draw that? that? I drew the rough draft of it, and then I had a uh, artist from British Columbia draw it, and it actually has two of my favorite tarot cards on there. There is the Fool who kind of runs into situations without knowing what he's getting into. Yeah, and then the hermit looking back on his life and kind of integrating his whole experience into wisdom that he can then uh, share with other people. Mm, that's and, awesome. Uh, something else just to throw out there real quick. On my podcast, for anybody who's interested in tarot and wants to learn more about it, um, we're doing a series, uh, myself and Stephanie Capone, the creator of Moon Void Tarot, where we go through each card and then we're going to go through like all of the major arcana and then the uh, minor arcana that go with the uh, correlating card. So it's kind of been a really neat experience. Hmm. So people can like learn about each card more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can learn about uh, tarot from somebody that reads tarot. Both of us read tarot professionally and she is actually uh, – she created her own deck. And oh, her wow. deck is phenomenally beautiful. That's awesome. Uh, so – I'm gonna. I picked out three poems. If it's too many, let me know. But I'll read the first one that I have. Cool. Mountains in my mind, the most dangerous terrain. It holds the richest jewels, the source of the deepest pain. I can climb for many days. In one instant, I can slip. 
to bounce upon the rocks and plunge into its pits. It is misery and joy. It is heaven and is hell. It is liberation. It is a prison cell. Do I rest in its valleys or relentlessly approach the, the peak? Do I utter words of reverence? Alas, I cannot speak. How do you explain something to those who can't understand? You turn it into art and let destiny take your hand. The mountain is endless at both the peak and the base, for above the peak rests another into limitless space. The higher I climb, the greater I fall. The lower I stay, the smaller the awe. I can be at the base in endless amounts of fear, or I can summit the summitless before I disappear. My memory will fade from the lips and minds of men. I will live on in infinity in the light that is within. Wow. I love that I love one. That. Yeah. That Thank was you amazing. so much. I want that to be like animated into like a little animation. Like mm. I was, cause I was seeing it all in my mind, like up and down. Yeah. And, oh, I love that one so much. I'd love to see that animated as well. A lot of these are very like psychedelic in, in how I wrote, um, wrote yes. them. So I'd love to see other things develop with them. Yes. Yeah. If anybody does animation and they want to do that, let yeah. us know. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I have two more. These are kind of quicker. Cool. My mind is stirred in the middle of the night, no longer because it is tortured, but because I am well acquainted with the nuances of inner darkness. The madness of the world bears down on all those awake to witness the 3 a.m. blackness. I am a twilight worker, the doorman to both paths. I leave the light to digest their darkness and those stuck in their own abyss to the spark within. I am a lighthouse in moonless midnight coffin black, swimming in the obsidian evening sea of phantasms. I attempt to sanctify the local scenery through living a prayer and processing the poison of a collective consciousness polluted with consumerism. I am the lifeguard of lunacy. My muse is the mute whispers of shadows and the twinkle of the stars in the darkest night. Mm. That snaps for you. <laughs> I, I love the um I love like the vocabulary in that one like all the like when you're talking about mm -hmm. obsidian and like those two lines were I don't know I, you're just really getting me like revved up about poetry again because I actually used to write poetry when I was in college when I was going through like my deepest pain I was writing a lot of poetry and it's a really beautiful art form so uh, it's phenomenal and it's so accessible. I think this is something else that could really help people process a lot of stuff. Because for me, like when I got into it, it was because I, I wasn't, I started writing poetry when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and it was the only way that I could like articulate myself without people criticizing me or saying anything. It was like the purest form of expression. Um, yeah. I have one last one and then. Awesome. The moment you realize you are the catalyst for your dreams, you are closer to them. It's not going to be some grand-handed opportunity. It's the endless hours of effort, the recombustion of that initial fire, late nights, early mornings, long hours, and that extra minute, wanting to quit but carrying on, living like you've already achieved it, constant failures that lead to brief successes, thoroughly accepting you may fail, you may fail and instilling vigilance to avoid this. You have to look at reality with dreams, but temper your dreams with reality. I can put the labor into countless things, but if I don't put the labor into sharing it, will it ever be seen? The universe can conspire in your favor only when you aid it in doing so. 
The opportunities you are presented with aren't magical or fate. They are the byproduct of all the energy you have expressed. Mm. Mm. That one was calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one called everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> mm, That's it. like, thank you so much. Yeah, that last one is kind of like my issue with a lot of the new age positivity concept where it talks about just holding good vibes, but it doesn't talk about the action step so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of funny and I kind of like it in the aspect of um, just, just hold a good vibration. Don't do anything, but just enjoy the moment. And I think to a degree that's right, but also action needs to be taken. Definitely. Yeah, there's a whole analogy of like the magical sandwich. And it's like if you have the intention of eating a sandwich, you can either go buy one or you have to get up and make it. But there's still action associated with it. Like the sandwich Mm. just doesn't manifest before you. Maybe for some people it does, but they're I guess they're cheapening their own experience if they wait for it to happen that way. Yeah, it's like it's still not being willing to open up to life if you decide to sit on the couch and just hold a positive vibration, it's like you're still not willing to step out whether to go get the sam- buy the sandwich or go make it yourself. So I feel like that's the key. It's like if, if there's any point in which we find ourselves like not willing to budge or not willing to step in, in a direction like that mm-hmm. is showing us that we are um, – like you're saying, you're cheapening your experience of life because life is about like getting out there and like mixing it up and, you know. And I think for so long, so many of us have been in the survival mode, which is why I know I definitely have like for a lot of my life where I've just been like, no, just like let me stay just any way I can stay inside, like away from people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was like how I was living. Like that was life to me surviving because that felt the best to me to like feel safe and now I'm in this new phase of like oh that well no I don't want to live like that anymore life is about like interacting and opening up and so definitely Um, yeah it's funny you bring up the opening up thing um because that's kind of like the big thing that I struggle with is really building community and kind of letting people in um so much of my work has been internal and so much of my process has been like bad experiences with other people because of my own actions and it's something that it's showing up in every area of my life right now that I need to expand my circle whether it's in business whether it's in recovery whether it's in my personal life so that's something else that like I want to throw out there like I'm not freaking perfect at any of this stuff like I have a lot of experience and changing but there's still a lot of growth that I have to do like so I don't want to come off as like somebody that thinks they know it all I don't (laughs) (laughs) no I think and I think that's like none of us do you know like the more it's like that quote I don't know who said it but it's like the more you know the more you realize you don't know and you know and I think when we're younger or I know in my experience when I was younger I was like oh I know everything and like yeah I don't need you to tell me anything and you know I had this real big ego going and um and now it's like just I, I don't know. I feel like all of us, It's it, that's the best thing you can say too. That's the best thing we can talk about. It's like, I don't know. Like we're all just yeah. going on a ride just like you, just like whoever's <laughs> listening to this. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> all we can do is like share what we're experiencing and take the best from it. Yep. Um, Ross, you said – so we have about 10 minutes left and I know you said you want to pull some tarot cards. Do you say tarot or tarot? I say tarot. I don't okay. really know what the right way to say it is. Okay. 
<laughs> You're the second person I've asked and they've said that. Okay. So I'm going to go with that. So it's tarot. <laughs> so it's we have come to the conclusion tarot. on the Inner Bloom podcast <laughs> that it is tarot. I mean, we don't know. So I'm going to draw an oracle card first. This oh, is from okay. the Mystic Art Medicine deck. And it Ooh. is Rhythm. Cool. Oh, I like. So that is one. this? So is this for both of us? Is this for the collective? Who are you drawing the cards? This for? is for everybody. And then if you if okay. y'all have a specific question afterwards, maybe I can draw a card for you as well to kind of see what comes up for you too. Okay. Mm, I like rhythm. So rhythm is just kind of about finding your vibration. The blue in there, there's kind of that turquoise blue. Mm-hmm. Turquoise is relative to the throat chakra, so it's kind of finding the rhythm of your voice and speaking your truth. But I think the other part of throat chakra people don't talk about this is actively listening and not listening to respond, but listening to like actually hear what people are saying and digest it. Um, oftentimes when people talk about throat chakra, they think only about talking, not about the listening aspect. There's also this concept of the orange in there. Orange is all about creativity. And both of those things tie into rhythm in the sense that part of the rhythm of communication is listening. Part of the rhythm of creativity is these periods of of downtime but part of the balance of downtime or the rhythm of downtime is actively creating stuff so if you're not in harmony which is like another kind of rhythm-esque term if you're not in harmony with that you're not going to have a good experience and that's further represented in kind of the cyclical thing where it talks about balancing it out um Mm. so that's what comes up i would just challenge people to find their own rhythm in that and like really find out what that means to them personally. There's application for everybody there if they're paying attention. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. Now who wants, who wants a card first? You or you? You or you. <laughs> <laughs> Amby, you can go first. Okay. I'll go first. Um, do I ask, I ask a question. Okay. Um, ba, 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 ba. Can we do career? Can I just be general with career? I'm going to give you an oracle card for it as well. I do read Tara, but I'm feeling the oracle cards today. Oh, I love that one. What is that? It is innocence. What color sticks out to you the most? White. White? Well, that just really ties directly into innocence. It's kind of this purity, and it would say that maybe... Clear your perception about some of the difficulties of pursuing your career. You really have to wipe the slate clean and step into your own power with it. There's also pink in that card. Pink Mm -hmm. is relative to the emotional heart. So there's two different colors of the heart chakra. There's the green heart chakra, which most people are familiar with. Then there's this internal kind of pink heart chakra, which is more the emotional heart. Don't take it so emotionally like serious kind of return to innocence with it like when you were a kid and somebody said something mean it kind of rolled off you a little bit easier until you're taught to were taught to maybe take it more personally mm. and then the other aspect is there's that darker blue which is uh, third eye chakra and to me that just kind of says purify what your gift means to you in a sense too and like really just be comfortable with what it's telling you and don't care what other people say about it. And you know what you have to do. Quit coming up with excuses not to do it. Sorry to pull your card in that sense. (laughs) (laughs) Step up and and just own it. Like Called me out. So hard called me out. And that's one last thing I'll say is if you notice the moon there, moon 
the moon in esoteric symbolism is kind of about revealing this uh, truth in the darkness. Um, and that would kind of be, you're actually good at what you do. And the thing that's holding you back is your fear about stepping into your power about it. And then it's further expressed in the sense that the moon controls water. Water is relative to emotions and esoteric symbolism. And it's like that fear is what sways your emotions. You don't have you have confidence, but you don't have complete confidence in how other people perceive you. Stop caring. You You're know literally you going to make me cry right now. Keep going. It's good. No, that, that's it. That's <laughs> all. I'm not going to say anything else oh. mean. That's the other thing, too. Like, when I read cards. No, that wasn't I'm mean. Like, honest. Okay, cool. No, I don't think that was mean. I think it was just, like, very informative and very true. Very true. Yeah, Alexa's like, yeah, it I just was. Don't like it. you spoke yeah. it very in a in very direct way that was good. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. But it yeah. wasn't mean at all. I didn't perceive it as like picking on me or anything like that. <laughs> okay, cool. I just try to be direct and honest. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I'm gonna go. I don't know. I, I guess I'll go career to. Can I? Can I say career slash identity? No. I think you're gonna get the whole thing. I think that's what's gonna happen. It, it's all tied together. Everything, every okay, aspect of so my I'll life just is say unified. Career. That's so. fine. I'll just say career. Reverence. Damn. What color sticks out to you the most? Purple. So purple is crown chakra. It's understanding your connection to kind of spirit and what you're doing and really understanding that with your career, you're serving spirit in that sense. And you kind of have the same thing as her where you have to step into what you're doing more and, and not doubt yourself so much and push yourself more, own up to it. And if you notice, there's this kind of divine person coming out of the head right there. Yeah. You got you to be the highest version of yourself instead of selling yourself short, which means having to develop more discipline, having to develop more um, authentic communication with yourself. And there's this whole concept that's popular, especially in like these types of circles where self-care more so than, than grinding and this is something I fell into you have to do the work you have to grind and you have to love love the labor of it because that's what's going to make you stand out from everybody else lots of people can do what we do um, but it's going to be the amount of effort that you put into it the passion that you put into it and the amount of education that you're willing to step into but not only that loving the process of it because it's developing you as a person and refining you. And there's that saying steel sharpens steel. If you want to like get better at helping people, you have to help yourself better and you have to get better teachers to kind of surround yourself with mm -hmm. and have reverence for that process. Cause it's going to buffer out any kind of impurities or pits or anything like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that definitely resonates, especially also about like, even just even just investing in this like class, this class that I've like said like, oh, I don't need a writing class, like I don't need a writing class, but I know that my creativity needs to come out in it. And also, um, like you're saying, um, uh, just just accepting more so that like if I'm here to serve, just like just like accepting that I am like like that is me like I am part of the larger you know 
like divinity like I am mm-hmm. divine and like I need to let that part come through and also like step into the highest version like I can't keep this is something that came through with John the other day is like you can't keep like looking back and like feeling afraid to shine or feeling bad for other people or something because you're not helping yeah. them that way and the only way you can be a leader is if you like let yourself really like embrace all that you are and embody it and so yes I keep getting this image of you at the retreat when you climbed up the hill Oh, and I left everyone behind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, I like that. That's a good image. Thanks for that. That that makes me feel good. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. This is awesome. Thank you, Ross. These, I yeah, love, thank you. I love the way you do tarot. It's very – or like the, you do readings. It's unique and I like the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to hop off in just a minute here, but tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them where they can find your podcast, how they can get in touch with you for readings, all the things. All the things. All the things. So the podcast is the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. It's on like 12 or more different things. Uh, So if you type the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast, you will find it. Or if you look me up on Facebook, I have links to all that stuff right on my Facebook page. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Ross Cessna. Um, So that's (laughs) there. And as far as my book, Vagrant Verses, it's available on Amazon. Um, it is the only Vagrant Verses. It actually, I, it turns out there's other Vagrant Verses, but it's the only Vagrant Verses that has like a huge eye with a yin-yang symbol on it. <laughs> and then as far as, that. as far as like the uh, readings, it's oracleatmotion.com. And that is O-R-A-C-L-E-A-T-M-U-S-H-I-N.com. And uh, just real quick, motion is this concept of no mind, no heart. And it doesn't mean like being um, thoughtless or heartless. It just means not polluting how I approach anything with overanalyzing it or being all wrapped up in my emotions. So I'm really just telling you what's coming to me directly or the information that's on the card. Um, It's kind of removing me from the process. Sometimes I still step in because I'm human. But uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, YouTube channel, all that stuff too. Ocean. I like that. I was wondering what that mm-hmm. meant. And I love the description of that. That's so cool. Well, thank you, Ross. We will put all of your info in the show notes. And thanks for coming on. We'll have to do this again. I feel like we have good convos together, all of us. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, we'll have to schedule schedule something for you two to come on my show again so I can not butcher the episode this time. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Yeah, we'll do it again for sure. Thank you so much, Ross. And until next time, everyone, keep on blooming. We love you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.